Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host Brian with my co-host Ben Brandell. And today is a very special episode because we have two very special guests, Brandon and Axel from Whetstone Boys Rancher on the show today. We're so excited to share our interview with them, really getting to know their work and what they are doing there at the Boys Ranch. Before we get started and air that interview, we do need to give thanks. Brian, I am so thankful for gum, breath mints. The other day, I was out in public and somebody was trying to talk to me. And their breath stunk so bad. And it just made me realize how thankful I am that we have things that we can buy to mask stinky breath. <laughs> so, you going to tell us who it was? <laughs> no! <laughs> the craziest part is I still don't have my full smell back. So, I feel bad for everybody that does have full smell uh, that had to be around this person. Ben, I am so thankful for rain. We have been really kind of in a drought it has been very very dry and we got like three or four days in a row where we've had some storms come through and bring rain the grass is greened up the gardens are flourishing again mm-hmm. really just creation is more beautiful and thrives when we have water rain is kind of an interesting thing especially when you dive into it biblically because there was right. a time when we didn't even have rain yeah rain was actually considered uh destructive like uh it was punishment it was right <laughs> the wrath of god <laughs> but now today we're so thankful for it because yes. uh in the brokenness that we live in rain is required so mm-hmm. thankful for the rain i know the farmers locally are very very thankful they have uh, i know several that have been praying for rain and they they have been feeling that their prayers have been answered because of the rain that we've got and uh hopefully it, it continues to be uh, a wet summer that we have enough rain for our crops to grow and our animals to thrive but not so much that we have floods besides the rain and mints we're definitely very thankful that brandon and axel took some time to sit down for an interview with us let us ask questions about whetstone boys ranch this is a zoom interview we did they weren't here in studio but we were able to connect with the blessing of the internet and we think that you guys will really enjoy and be inspired by what these gentlemen have to share Here's our interview with Axel and Brandon from Whetstone Boys Ranch. All right, so welcome to the show, Axel and Brandon of Whetstone Boys Ranch. We're so thankful that you guys are taking a few minutes to, to be on the show today. Um, kind of a interesting story how we met. Axel, this is our first time, if we call this meeting, if, if Zoom is meeting. Uh, Brandon, we had the privilege of sharing a couple phone calls and lunch with you. We know that you have a big family and that you like milkshakes. We learned those two, th- <laughs> two things about you. Um, I think that Ax- milkshake is still doing good for me. <laughs> yeah. Those are, those are heavy. I think that's a, a couple of meals in, in one shake. Those things are... Yeah. That was... Uh, what's the name of that place again? Uh, Black Sheep. Black Sheep. Those are some good burgers and shakes for sure. For sure. So we got mm-hmm. to share. we got to share lunch with you. Um, but still have a lot to learn and really a lot to learn um, about what you guys really do. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Antoni. Um, he helped you guys get your podcast started, helped us get ours. And mm-hmm. based on what you guys do, um, 
using the outdoors to restore these boys at the ranch and some of the programs that we teach and Ben's past history working for Great Circle. He really thought that, that we should connect and kind of share each other's stories and, and maybe help each other down the road. So this is really the first step to that, you guys being on the show today. So again, glad you're here and, and thanks for taking some time with us. Yeah, I'm glad thanks, we're Thanks for the invite. Yeah, yeah. make this happen. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate Tony for, for doing that and wanted to follow up with you guys a lot sooner, but just you know, you know how life goes, but uh, we made it happen and uh, looking forward to getting to know you guys more and just sharing with your audience a little bit about Whetstone. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and hopefully down the road, I know we have planned to, to be on your podcast. We can we can come share our story on on yours as well. Uh, you guys do have a podcast. It's, it's bi-weekly is my understanding, and it's called A Time to Sharpen. Do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, that show, what you guys talk about, and, and why you started that? Axel, I'll let you field that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, just before I start, um, I, I, I'm hoping that out of this conversation, we'll get to know each other well enough that you'll be, you'll share some of your honey holes for those morels. Cause <laughs> I listened to that episode. <laughs> I was wanting to go back in time. I was like, oh, oh it's, it's too late. I, got, I have to wait a whole half a year before I get out there. But some, yeah. good, some good advice. Enjoyed that. Uh, but the podcast is called A Time to Sharpen. It's kind of based on, you know, the passage in the Bible. There's time for everything. Time to, you know, time to love, time to hate, time for peace, time for war, time to plant, time to, to gather. And um, also combining that with the image of sharpening because Whetstone, Boys Ranch, is based on the image of a whetstone, which is a tool that you use to sharpen the edge of a, of a blade, of a knife or, or what, what have you. And the concept is that we sharpen each other through community and through um, brotherhood and through working together. And we do that with the boys also. And it's about finding that right, that right level of, of pressure and tension and friction in, in a relationship that uh, where you don't destroy the edge of the blade by pressing down too hard and creating a bunch of sparks and everything. But you find that right angle with that right amount of pressure to to become a, a useful instrument for God. So whether that's us working with boys or us working with each other or us offering advice to our audience about ways to be a better instrument for God, yeah. that's it's kind of the gist of it. Well, that is really awesome imagery. And I think it, it takes a, a mind, a very creative mind to come up with that beautiful imagery. Um, I don't know that Ben or I are, are that intelligent, but we definitely <laughs> we definitely appreciate <laughs> appreciate those people that are. So again, if, if you are looking for, um, you know, we, we listened to your last episode and you guys really focus on um, rebuilding families and how we can be better parents um, and, and really making godly children and places to go wrong and places to go right. So if, if you're listening to this and that is something that would help your family or something you're looking for, A Time to Sharpen is definitely a podcast that you can check out. Let's get to know you guys just individually a bit because we really don't know you that well. Where are you guys both from? Where did you grow up? That's always a million dollar question for yeah. me. I kind of bounced around a lot. I was not in a military family, but was born in Vegas, lived in Northern and Southern California and Texas, um, went to college out in Montana. There were, I always claimed Montana when I went out to college there. So that was probably my favorite place I ever lived and uh, fell in love with the Rocky Mountains out there and 
Um, so yeah, I bounced around a lot. Uh, met my wife in Colorado uh, before moving out here. So uh, I'm from Missouri now. Let's put it like that. You, now you claim Missouri. How did how did you end up in the Ozarks? Uh, well, um, God has a crazy way of putting us on an adventure and landing us in a little podunk town called Mountain View, Missouri, that we mm. had no idea about. Um, so we'll probably get into some of that a little bit more with, with some of the later questions. But uh, but yeah, all I can say is is it was a divine appointment to be here because we had no idea that uh, this was even on the map where we're at now. Yeah, good. Axel, how about you? Where are you from? I'm from uh, Pontiac, Michigan, um, uh, outside of Detroit. I used to say we build excitement and that people knew what that <laughs> meant. With a, It was a slogan for Pontiac cars, but now they don't even make Pontiacs anymore, which is sad. Um, so, yeah, I grew up there, uh, kind of inner city experience, uh, went to a public school there and um, very urban, very, very opposite of a lot of Brandon's experiences, actually. Um, and uh, so I went to school in Arkansas and then uh, taught in Little Rock. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a school teacher by trade. And then I taught and then I moved to Lexington, Kentucky, where I taught for 10 years, and then moved to West Plains uh, when the ranch was uh, at, at its beginning stages to help with the process of of purchasing the land and scouting out the land, you know, like the kind of felt like the one of the spies in going into Israel and uh, <laughs> seeing uh, how the land was teeming with locusts and honey. But uh, and uh, we just identified this is just a great place to start a ranch. A lot of it had to do with mm -hmm. Missouri not having a lot of restrictions on ministries or uh, it's just a lot of freedom in Missouri that there isn't in other states. And that's that's good and bad but right. mostly good for us in our, in our industry. So how did you guys yeah. get connect? Well, there's well, a, uh, well, actually you want to go with that one? Uh, well, just mutual, mutual friends, basically. My, uh, my cousin, uh, Nate Dahlstrom, uh, had the, like the idea to start the ranch. He was kind of the visionary and he was good friends with Brandon. They went to school together. Jeremy Thompson, who's now the executive director, was my closest friend growing up in Michigan. And uh, my cousin, Nate, would come to visit my family in Michigan. And, and then he married a girl from Michigan, went to school in Michigan, got to know Jeremy. And then they kind of went down this path of starting a ranch while I was pursuing my teaching career. They brought Brandon in, so it was the three of them. And then, you know, life happens. Nate yeah. kind of went in a different direction. And I kind of came in, and I was like the third guy. So I like to say it was like... Uh, like uh, LeBron James and, and Chris Bosch and Dwayne Wade, <laughs> you know, brought my talents to brought your to Mountain talents View, to Mountain View. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Instead of South Beach. It, it, it sounds like divine appointment again. I mean, just, just yeah. listening to all the little things that, that take place in the relationships over a whole nation uh, and for all yeah. that to come together to uh, really a very purpose driven thing in Mountain View, Missouri, it sounds like divine appointment. And that's, Definitely. that's really cool. So, yeah, one thing I was going to add to that was just thinking about how do we end up here. Uh, Axel kind of alluded to it a little bit, but we always wanted to have an outdoor element to the program with, with property yeah. and have animals. And we were thinking about Colorado initially um, just because we love, 
of the mountains in the West, but just price of land and, and grass was not as good. Um, and just some of those logistical factors started us uh, kind of looking to the Midwest. My brother's in Columbia, so I had some uh, taste of the Ozarks or this area. Uh, so we started, and we had some other mutual connections that started looking in this area. So, so those are some, a couple of logistical things that started us, you know, looking looking here. Yeah, well, well, just with the little that we know about you, the the fact that you guys include the outdoor element, that that ranching lifestyle, Ben and I personally believe that that creation is restorative, that we are part of creation, and and that's why it is so restorative. It can't really be explained, but God made that, and He made us too. And, and there's some element that just um, it teaches, it rejuvenates, um, it pulls us away from the the distractions of the devil. So we love that you guys include that. As outdoorsmen and, and, and ranch leaders individually, what are your favorite outdoor activities? And uh, my absolute favorite outdoor activity is uh, chasing elk during bow season in out west. So I did that a little bit. I got exposed to it when I was in Montana as far as archery hunting. I did more rifle hunting out there, um, but really... And my time in Colorado was when uh, I spent more time kind of before I was married, uh, packing in a couple of years. We, we packed in with some horses and, you know, went eight, eight, ten miles back in there and just set up camp for, for three weeks the first year that uh, in Colorado. So that I just absolutely fell in love with, with elk hunting at that point. Some of those close encounters and just hearing those bugles and, uh, man, have not had the opportunity to do it as much these days, but, uh, I, I listen to podcasts and, uh, and other things like that. To, to <laughs> Vicarious like nature experience. Through, uh, <laughs> uh, these days. So, but anyway, that's, that's probably my number one outdoor activity. Yeah, that's yeah, it's it's hard with six kids too. You can't throw them all in the backpack and bring them with you. <laughs> I don't think anybody makes a backpack that big these days. No. <laughs> well, you that... gotta wait till they get big enough to where they can each carry a pack. And yeah, then we just pack in camp all together. That way, yes. when you yeah. when you harvest one, they can pack it out for you. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, that's a that is a bucket list activity for me. It's high on my bucket list. Uh, ben has been privileged enough to actually go experience it and, and do that. Uh, so I've heard everything vicariously through him, and it is high, high up there on, on my my hunting list or really outdoor activity list at all. But what about you, Axel? Yeah, yeah. What's your What's your favorite outdoor activity? Um, I'm I'm not a huge hunter or fisherman. Since we moved here 12 years ago, I've got, I've had many experiences to do that, and we we live on 10 acres, and that was one of the attractions of moving here was to to get some land and raise our kids in the country, just to where it was right outside. You didn't mm-hmm. have to go anywhere, you know. And we love the city, and we love cultural experiences. I just made a trip to see my daughter in San Francisco, who's doing an internship out there, and. We got to experience all that, but it's always nice to come home and, and remember that, that, you, that you're rooted and grounded in nature. And uh, it's just everywhere around here. It's, it's We are really in uh, God's country. You know, everyone says that where they're from, but but um, it's just, uh, we're just surrounded by it. So the way I take advantage of it, I guess, uh, hiking, I love to walk. Um, I love to run. Uh, I love to do disc golf and get outside and get in the woods and and just interact with nature in, in that way, in a kind of uh, athletic and competitive way. 
Um, and then I like to write. I just I love to write poetry. And and uh, you mentioned the book, and I find nature to be very inspiring. Uh, to to just sit in it and listen, and uh, wait for God to speak to me through, you know, whatever whatever I see, whatever I hear around he, me. And He does. He does when you're yeah. out there. That's that's one of my favorite things yeah. about it. Do you want to? You mentioned your book. Do you want to give us a, a little plug on your book? What's the title and where people can find that? Yeah, it's called Even the Wind. Uh, it's based on the the passage about um, Jesus calming the storm. Even the wind and the waves obey His will. And uh, we were struck by a tornado in 2015, uh, three years after, uh, three and a half years after we started the ranch. And it was like starting over and it, it, it could have put us under, but uh, it actually made us stronger. And so we feel like God uses those experiences in our lives to, to draw us close to him. And that wasn't just true of us, but it's true of every family that comes to the ranch. They've all been struck by some a tragedy of, of some sort um, by some tra- traumatic experience and they're trying to put the pieces back together so we tell the story of how we did that as a ranch how we did that in our personal lives and how we did that professionally but also how we do it on a on a daily basis with the boys that we work with so it tells the story of that year basically so it's kind of like a year in the life of of Whetstone boys ranch just happened to be a year that we were at the tornado and, yeah. and we're out of business for two months so <laughs> Yeah, cool. And yeah, we appreciate you sharing yeah. a copy of that with us and we're we're working our way through that. Oh, and, yeah, and you said it's it's available on uh, on Amazon and okay. um you can you can also listen to it on on Audible and on Apple Books. We just uh, finished um production of an Audible book um work work with a very talented voice artist named Becca Eastling and uh, I feel like she did a really good job of interpreting. It's actually told from three different perspectives. Mine as the headmaster Matt Foster, who was the uh, therapist at the time, and Michelle Lewis, who was the house mom. So it 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 kind of goes, it alternates, boom, 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 one, two, yeah. three, in telling the story. Yeah. Well, congrats on the Audible side. That's that's how I love thank to. Con- I, that's how I love to consume. So that that's a that's a big step to get that out there and really open. Yeah. Up your, thank you. Open up your audience. Yeah. yeah. So. We've obviously hinted around the Boys Ranch. We've mentioned it. Can can one of you really give us an overview of Whetstone Boys Ranch? What what it is and what you guys do and offer for these families and these boys? Axel, I'll let you unless you want me to fill back. Okay. Yeah, I, I could do that. We um, we we work with boys ages twelve to sixteen. Sometimes they turn seventeen when when they're with us. Uh, but 18 is kind of the cutoff point. Once they turn 18, we're just we can't serve them anymore because they they can just choose to leave. They can be independent, and yeah. it presents a whole host of problems. And then uh, starting at 12, and where they're with us for on average seven months, um, wow. even the ones that that don't graduate um, over the last 12 years, we've worked with I think 130, 140 different families, and um, some of them are with us for a month or two. Some of them are with us for 16 months. And it just depends on the situation. But on average, uh, a, a boy is here for seven months. And he does school. Uh, he does therapy. They do family therapy. Do We do group therapy. There's recreation. Uh, we have a running program that uh, that I like to head up. Um, there's, there's field trips. There's uh, daily interaction with, with nature and the outdoors. And we have a work program. And the idea is just to to reset 
to give them time away from their families because they're they've reached a situation where they're just totally estranged from their parents for a, a variety of different reasons. There's really no common denominator. It could be screen addiction. It could be anger issues. It could be attachment issues. Um, uh, up to a third to a half of our boys usually at any one time are adopted. So mm. we're dealing with a lot of those issues. And um, we have a very low staff to boy ratio. We have uh, one staff for every three boys at all times. Wow. Which is uh, pretty unique in this industry. Most of the uh, businesses and places that serve families with the issues that we're, we're uh, working with are, you know, one to five, one to eight, one to 12 in some, in some cases, depending upon the state and the, uh, the rules that they have. Yeah. I'll just add to that. Um, that that was really from the beginning of Whetstone. That was really one of the core philosophies is to have the low ratios and just knowing where these guys are coming from and knowing that just being able to have low ratios for, uh, to allow relationships that happen. So like the, yeah. the nature piece or the outdoor piece with low ratios, trying to combine those two things, trying to create space for relationships to happen because only really then do we earn the right to speak into the lives of these boys? And uh, so that's something that we have tried to keep uh, pretty close to those ratios from the beginning. Um, and so it's been a yeah. challenge uh, for sure. Just thinking about just your expenses and, and staff and things like that. But, um, but we felt like we have not wanted to compromise on, on that side of things. Uh, for sure. So that's a big element from the beginning of yeah. What call it? Call it a life on life ministry. Yeah. Sometimes it's yeah. a good way to good way to think about it. Yeah, that's. Oh, it sounds like an incredible thing that you're doing, but it, it's definitely not a, a venture for the faint of heart, and probably requires some specific facilities. Can you share a little bit about the the ranch and the property itself, and some of the facilities that you guys have on site? Yeah, it's actually. Uh, kind of an interesting story how we ended up here when Axel, when he talked about when he came on, uh, on board with Whetstone, we were actually pursuing another property uh, in West Plains. And, um, we had years of what we called like flipping rocks. You know, we'd go look at this property and this property and see if this was going to work. And this particular one in West Plains, we had a lot of momentum. We felt with the landowner and thought that there was going to be, um, some generosity on his part as far as, you know, partial donation of things. But anyway, that particular property ended up not working out. Uh, but where we're at now, uh, one of our board members uh, knew about this property, had some history with this property, and it was a home, it's, it's a little over a 10,000 square foot home uh, that was built for three families, kind of a long story why they built it this way. We feel that uh, God... Uh, had them build this facility for for what we had in mind or what he had in mind with Webstone. And yes. So it was, we came and as Axel was talking about, we moved here and we're just trying to get the word out in the community about what we were wanting to do, the types of boys we wanted to work with. And we were thinking, should we buy land and just build a facility? Um, ideally, we didn't want to do that just because it would take longer there would be more capital probably that we'd need to raise. And anyway, this, this house just ended up being perfect for what we wanted. It had a separate living quarters for house parents. All the boys rooms were upstairs, um, kind of in a dorm setting. And all we really had to do was, 
uh, we remodeled the kitchen to make it more private for the house parents. And my wife and I were actually the original house parents when we uh, started Whetstone. And so that's, uh, and it's, we bought 10 acres in the house initially. And then after three years, we had the right first right of refusal for the other 275 acres. Um, cause we didn't, we had access to it. We just didn't own it just because we were a new organization and mm-hmm. getting off the ground. And so after three years, we were able to purchase the other, uh, 265, 275. And, um, so, so that's kind of where we operate now out of a, a 10,000 square foot home with that acreage. And, uh, we're actually looking to expand now and then build another home for nine boys. Yeah. Growth, growth is a good thing. It, it your place sounds incredible. And, and we, we would definitely plan to, to come visit it if you'll have us and we can't wait to see it and, and look around and kind of sounds like you're, you're living our dream, right, Ben? It's, it sounds amazing. Yes. And the acreage itself. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it just sounds like God's really, uh, really working. It's amazing. Well, guys, we are always looking for good, solid, uh, Christian dudes that, that love the outdoors. <laughs> so you guys, you guys are welcome to come plant, plant here and, uh, invest all you want. Well, we'll definitely have to come, come for a visit and, and, and check out the property and, and get to know you guys even better. Yeah, for sure. What what are some ways that you guys actually utilize the ranch and the outdoors uh, in to in the restorative process of these boys? Yeah, there's uh, there's a handful of things that we do on property. Um, we well, first of all, I would say the 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 sport that has stood the test of time here is disc golf. Believe it or not. Um, so every every couple hours in school, we have a disc golf course set up all over the property. Well, really out, you know, probably <clears throat> comprises about twenty acres or so. But we'll bring our um, discs. We'll bring our discs. Yeah. We'll <laughs> they they just walked by my window actually, Brandon. I saw them out yeah. there. They're they're teeing off hole two. Yeah. So so that's one. As far as just uh, getting out, it's it's very important in school and and with with teenage boys in general. It's like they got to be out and they got to be moving and kind of release the wiggles. It just helps, you know, the learning process. And, um, I think that, uh, we're doing a disservice to our, our boys in a lot of school settings where we expect them to sit there for eight hours a day and, and learn. And, um, so we really try to, um, to address that problem by getting them out every, you know, for 15 minutes, really every couple hours. And that's, so we do disc golf. Um, we have going back to the cabin uh, or going back to the tornado. We have built a uh, pretty cool log cabin with the boys. And uh, Sunday nights end up being a lot of times uh, what we call cabin night uh, on, on property where staff and the boys go back to the cabin. It's probably 800 yards from the house here and kind of tucked into a nice little grove of walnut trees. Uh, and there's, there's games out there. There's a big fire pit. There's actually a round pen for, uh, for some horses. Um, it's just a place, again, going back to the rela- relational element. You get out away from the house, be secluded a little bit, and just let relationship happen. Just hang out and, uh, and listen and observe. Sundays are always kind of a quiet day around here for not a whole lot of structured activities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in the process of uh, developing 
a trail system around the whole property that'll almost be four miles of trail uh, for mountain biking and uh, hiking, horseback riding. Um, so those, we have ponds. We have like eight ponds on the property, so the boys love wow. to fish. We got some bass and catfish and some bluegills. So, um, so that's how we use uh, the property and cattle. <laughs> uh, well, and, and you mentioned in the disc golf, Brandon, we have um, just kind of temporary baskets that were donated graciously several years ago. And there's, they're solid ones, but you can pick them up, move them. But just recently on Giving Tuesday this past, uh, past year, we got, uh, we were able to raise, um, a significant amount of money to install permanent baskets. So we've right. actually designed a course. There's a guy in Springfield that uh, designed the course for us and he's pretty well known. And, uh, it's, it's on about, what was it 30 acres over there, Brandon, 30, 40 acres. Yeah. And, uh, we've, we've carved out the first nine holes and, uh, it's, it's playable. It's pretty ticky, so uh, you can't really play it right now. But have you guys done an episode on ticks? We you have. could just do a whole episode on ticks. Yeah. You have? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you got you got to know you got to know uh, how to how to avoid them, how to find them, how to you know where not to go, and things like that. So yeah. Um, but yeah, we're excited about that course getting that ready to play. Yeah, we Ben and I both love to play, so we will definitely right. uh, bring some discs when we come visit. Okay. Let's play a few holes All for right. sure. Cool. Yeah. Well, a couple things. A couple things is with disc golf, the those movable baskets. Those are great for people that have cattle and pastures because, right? If you put a solid doesn't move basket in the ground and you still have cattle around, they can bend and break. So depending mm -hmm. on where you're placing your course, that's why a lot of these places here locally, they have those baskets like you have that are, are movable and they work so well. So for anyone that has right. that, that cattle land, that pasture out there, uh -huh. basket shouldn't stop, stop them because they have, they have those portal right. ones and they're perfect for that. For sure. Well, yeah. All, all the cow pie, all the cow pies, pies can be like sand traps. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Pies. That's right. You get a penalty. <laughs> yeah. You get a penalty for hitting them. Uh, now you guys have been talking about all the activities you have there. Uh, for our listener, is this something that, that someone can pay? Is there anything that you have out there that people can come pay to do? Because you're making it sound so much fun, or is this just for um, for your youth? Those are, as, as of now, no, nothing uh, is, okay. is pay to play uh, out here. Yeah. But with the cabin, um, the cabin is really a sweet cabin. It's not just like a podunk little shanty. We're talking big 20-foot pine logs that are 20 inches in diameter and wow. we've got a wood wow. stove in there it's like a dog trot uh design if anybody's familiar with that it's got a little breezeway in between the two other you know living quarters but we're we're kind of toying with just getting other people on campus and maybe leasing that out to uh for bow hunters uh, to come in for you know just get a group of four guys and um do an extended weekend hunt, come do a Missouri white cell hunt. So those yeah. are some things we're exploring for a little bit of extra revenue. Uh, on it's almost campus. a, it's almost a glamping experience. Uh, I'd say, Brandon, wouldn't you say? That uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's really sweet. It's a, yeah. and it's back in there to where it's like, you feel secluded and we're working yeah. on, I actually got a guy coming out next week to help clear some of our food plots and, and get, uh, get some of our food plots going. And, and Brian, I know we've, talked a little bit you being a, a a biologist wildlife biologist maybe looking at some of that when you come here and love to explore mm -hmm. your knowledge on, on that but um 
so yeah, that's that's one thing as far as the disc golf, uh, if it gets up and going, and we'd love to offer that up to the community and maybe have like one of those little donation boxes if if yeah. somebody chooses to to donate and to play, then that's something we've talked about. Um, so yeah, who who knows what the future holds? But as much as we want people on campus, we want people to see what we're doing out here, and we just feel you know from the beginning. Um, it's always been about, yeah, we're going to serve 12 to 16 year old boys and, and we do that, but I've just, we've had so many staff over the years. We've had so many volunteers and, and board members and just other people that God uses to be a part of Whetstone and to be a part of the story out here. And, um, we want people to come and experience that and just, and get plugged into that as much as we can. And so we always, we love giving tours of the property and, and letting people see mm-hmm. what's going on. And awesome. uh, part of our development plan with the new house is to add 12 pull through RV sites uh, as well uh, for volunteers and, and other groups that are out there that just they're full-time RVers and they want to do mission yeah. work. And we want or for the people. solar, the solar eclipse people in, next spring. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> Be He's ready for those guys. Yeah, I heard there's going to be a yeah. flood flood of people coming to the area for the the solar yeah. eclipse. Yeah, yep. that'd be a good episode for sure. It will. Yeah. Yes. So, I'm going to combine a, a few questions here, and I, I'd I'd like for both of you to take turns answering this one, because I think it'll be different for both of you. Where Where did the passion come? To, to take on something like you guys have taken on, so so purpose-driven, there has to be a passion there. It's not something you just pick up on a whim and go do. And where did that passion come from? Where is it derived? Did God call you to do this, or did you go do it and then felt God's affirmation afterwards? Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll start, Brandon. Um, I When I was in high school, I was, I was pretty ambitious about what I wanted to do career-wise, and I was into politics and uh, speech and debate and was ambitious about where I wanted to go to school and, and everything. So I ended up uh, going to the United States Military Academy at West Point. And I was there for what what amount, what's called Beast Barracks, which is like cadet basic training. I did that for a summer and had a, a, a very challenging time there and, and decided that that really wasn't the, the course that God wanted me to it wanted me to take in my life. And Mm -hmm. I think it was really in some ways, maybe more about me um, than it was, um, you know, about other people. And so I think that's what God taught me through that experience was that uh, I should live a life of service. And obviously military service is service, but a lot of people who go to West Point um, are, there's a lot of pride and hubris associated with that, not just in me, but also in the people I was with. So I didn't really gel with my classmates and, really couldn't get into that way of, of life. And so decided I, I wanted to find a, a career that would, that would be more service oriented in a way that fit my, my personality and my talents and the, the military just wasn't it for whatever reason. So, um, pursued a bunch of different experiences in college, ended up uh, getting into teaching and, uh, I was an English teacher, uh, and social studies teacher and coach and things like that. And just really enjoyed working with young people and did that in a public and private kind of traditional school setting for, for 12 years. And then uh, started to become a little disillusioned with uh, the kind of factory model of, of teaching. Um, 
Um, I, I love public schools. You know, my, my daughter goes to a public school. We have a blend of different institutions and, and educational facilities where I send their kids. It just wasn't, it's not for everyone. And a lot of kids just fall through the cracks. And I felt like I was increasingly seeing um, in the, the secular kind of approach to societal problems that the, the, that the solutions were the problems. And that's when it was kind of a tipping point for me, where it's like, I'm actually going in reverse. I'm making things worse by, by having to subscribe to these, these philosophies that are, that are making the problems worse. And just wanted to be a part of the solution and wanted the freedom to pursue what God wanted uh, when it came to educating and when it came to sharpening minds and characters and to take a, a, an unabashedly biblical and spiritual approach to mankind's issues and whetstone seemed like a, a way to do that and we were young and didn't know what we didn't know so that <laughs> helped <laughs> yes. and uh i loved uh it was a great group a group of guys you know to get to work in community with other other uh, men who were uh, unified in our purpose and our vision and not afraid to speak their mind and not afraid to disagree and arrive at the best solution and uh, we're obviously still learning, um, and we don't have all the answers, but we're, we're trying to pursue God's, God's truth on a daily basis and trying to use that to sharpen characters and, and sharpen minds here at Whetstone. Yeah. That's, that's Axel, very, tell, very your, uh, tell your story real quick about uh, your, with Christine and the coffee mug. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, I knew about Whetstone from the very beginning because— Nate is my the original kind of visionary that I talked about earlier is my cousin. Jeremy was my closest friend growing up. And so they, they had kind of been working on me for uh, five, five or six years to say, hey, you know, you'd probably be a, you'd be a good uh, headmaster for the school and you should come out and join us. And I didn't really have any interest in doing that at the time that we were raising our own family and I was pursuing my my teaching career, my profession. And uh, but my wife kind of heard it and thought oh that that sounds like something uh that she would she was interested in more interested than i was but didn't feel like she was going to push it but we had these promotional mugs weston had these promotional mugs that, that we would hand out we had a couple of those and so she would pull that out on special occasions and kind of <laughs> turn the mug ever so slightly so that the, the the logo was positioned that i would see it and be affected by it like subliminally <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It worked. Uh, it worked. It must have. It must have. Yeah. It. Yeah. She she yes. doesn't work uh, in marketing by trade, does she? <laughs> no, she is a, She's an artist, though, so she understands. She the, understands the placement value, huh? The importance yeah, she, of a, a placement. Yeah. She yeah. gotcha. Well, well, Brandon, how about you? Oh. What, where's your Where's your passion and drive and and God's call play in this for you? Um, I would say I've always been kind of for the underdog. Uh, didn't really know that as much uh, growing up until I kind of looked back at, at some different stories and, and thinking about sticking up for some classmates and whatnot. But um, as far as Whetstone, I'd met Nathan in college at Lubbock Christian University. And, you know, if you guys know West Texas and Lubbock, it's like cotton fields and just uh, – dust storms and things like that there's i've come to appreciate more beauty uh, over there uh, as i've gotten older but at that time i was like i'd met nathan and um you know he's 
he's a pretty influential uh, guy, but he ended up moving to Montana. Him and I did. We were in separate locations. Um, I ended up getting a degree in construction management, and um, he had worked at a church there. Both of us were kind of like, let's get out of Lubbock. We didn't have a whole lot of direction, and Montana was kind of like, you know, if you want to say find yourself moment, it was just uh, we needed a change. We needed to do something different. Uh, we both wanted to maybe be mountain men up there. <laughs> um, so Nathan had ended up working for uh, or had gone to a church there and had worked with a 12-year-old boy um, that was going to, the, or at least his mom had him going to the church and being part of the youth group. And um, so through Nathan's experience with working with that boy and understanding some of the abuses and neglect that uh, that, that boy had, it was really when the vision for Whetstone began to, to plant in his heart, his mind. And, and he came from an ag background, an outdoor background, and always loved the outdoors. And so that was my initial, like, touch with Whetstone or hear about Whetstone. And we did a ton of outdoor activities together in, in Montana, but never for me personally had I thought, oh, Whetstone sounded like a great idea, but I'm glad God's calling, not calling me to that to that um was kind of my attitude um but i so i i pursued a degree in construction management um i took a job uh with a uh, company out of mesa arizona we did like high-end retail remodeling that particular company had clients like uh, gucci's and cartier tiffany and company and lacoste and um Man, it was a great experience. I was young and uh, single and got to travel the country and get some good uh, management experience. But um, it just was very artificial at the same time. It's just like these beautiful stores. You know, the life cycle of these stores is like five to seven years and you're spending millions of dollars on these remodels and you're just scrapping it and starting over and throwing it in the trash, you know. And so I just kind of between a lot of the travel, I felt like I wanted to settle down and um, I just felt discontent with, I didn't feel like God was, I was using my talents the way God wanted me to. And so I just really, I remember I had a little travel trailer that I pulled around each job site. And uh, I just remember just being kind of at the end of it after a few years and just hitting, hitting my knees on that trailer or in that trailer and saying, God, I, I need to know what's next. I don't know what you have next for me, but I don't feel like I can keep doing this. And um, really, pretty quickly after that prayer, I just kept focusing on uh, thinking about Whetstone and Nathan's plans at that point. And it was all just conceptual, you know, at that point. And uh, just after continuing to pray and think about that, I just really felt God was, was calling me to join him. And I had no idea what that looked like. And I just called Nathan one day and I just said, man, this is where I'm at. I think God is uh, calling me to this and uh, I think I want to be a part of it. And and unbeknownst to us, even Jeremy and I, uh, Nathan had been convicted by uh, Ecclesiastes 4.12 where it says, you know, two people may defend themselves, but a cord of three strands is, is not easily broken. And so... You know, back in 98, when he started having the vision of, of Whetstone and started making some plans and some stuff on paper, uh, one of the other things that he felt 
God was telling him, was just like, you need to do this with some partners. Um, I, w- I don't want you to do it alone. And so, uh, so for a couple of years, you know, Nathan was just kind of waiting for those. He didn't know who those two people were going to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I had called him and said, I think I'm in on this deal. Like I was like the third strand of that cord. And like I said, we had no idea about that. And he kind of shared that with us. And that was really kind of the first, wow, uh, God may be doing something here more than we realized. And so that was just a process that I I resigned from that position. Um, We went out to Colorado and worked at a a group home out there to to get some experience uh, working with at-risk youth. Um, like I said, I've, I've worked with kids in a youth group and I've always kind of been for the underdog. I've always enjoyed younger kids and just interacting with them. And, um, so it's just, God continued to kind of confirm that call, uh, in my life uh, specifically. And here we are. Yeah, that's, those are some powerful stories, guys. I really appreciate you sharing Ben and uh-huh. I, Ben and I love, one of the things we love about the podcast but just in in general going out and meeting people and and hearing people's stories it's it's inspiring because it it reminds you that god has written a specific and and unique story for everyone and that's just a a picture a picture of his love yeah and i wanted to you know you sharing your stories encourages people even like myself you know you were sharing uh, brandon about how you were doing construction and then seeing how that construction has even played an impact on your current life. I mean, the things that you're doing at the ranch required a lot of the skills that you learned, even though you didn't feel you were where you should be possibly in that moment, you were doing what God was wanting you to do to learn to, to use that for the future. And, and we, and for me personally, I get so sometimes so wrapped up in my circumstances in the moment that I have to stop and I have to look back in the past to say, how did God get me here? And then that's going to help me to where God's going to get me um, for his kingdom, for his will, for what he wants. And how long, Brandon, I want to ask you this, because this is what came to mind as soon as you said you stopped and you prayed. And what do you mean by it came quickly? Because <laughs> some of us, when we're praying, we we want God to to reveal that. Like, hey, I, I asked, right. where's the answer? You know, how soon, when you said it was soon, uh, kind of share a timeline there. What, how soon was it after that prayer that, that you really uh, got connected and, and got there? Yeah, I would, of course, it wasn't like, uh, you know, I, I heard this audible voice from God. Right. It wasn't anything like that. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you for clarifying yeah. that. That's, yeah. <laughs> but it was just, you know, we get to a spot of, of brokenness and mm-hmm. and just uh, feeling, I feel like, you know, it's the spirit in us that convicts us to kind of stop and, and turn around or stop and reflect and, and question that. But as far as an actual timeline, I'm a little hazy with it, but I mean, it was a matter of, I mean, the job I was on was, uh, ended up being the last job really wow. uh, that I, wow. I, I finished up. So it was a matter of uh, months, a few months yeah. of finishing that job. And in that time was just like kind of rekindling. I mean, I had always been in contact with Nathan because again, we were out in Montana, we were friends. And, um, but I started, those conversations were like, tell me a little bit more about what's done. Like, what's, what's your idea? Like, where are you at with that? And uh, just kind of getting a little bit more of a, a basis for, uh, for where what zone was at in his heart and then how I make play a role. And then, so that was, yeah, probably from the prayer to like quitting the job and officially joining, moving out to Colorado, probably six months in total was, wow. was that transition. Gotcha. Very yeah. cool. 
Yeah, for me, just to tack onto that, I it was a process. It was a like we lived in Lexington, Kentucky, and we lived in the city, and we had a great little house for starting a family. But started to feel like we wanted some land. If you know anything about Lexington and bluegrass, uh, it's very expensive. So we had to move thirty miles out, or thirty minutes out from the city. And so I was driving back and forth to school and I was like, ah, I don't know. I started looking around for jobs closer to home. And uh, I had actually gone, I remember during that period, gone forward up a church and just prayed, uh, just had the church pray that, you know, I was feeling some emptiness and just not a little disillusionment with the system, like I, I mentioned earlier. Right, right. And it was like God like started chipping away at me with my wife's positioning of the mug with the, the prayer and moving <laughs> right. out in the country. And then like, Oh, this is. And so I had, I was, I was like, I was like, well, I got to go visit Jeremy and Brandon out in West Plains. Cause they had moved here at that point. And I had already worked up a resume cause I was looking around for jobs closer to where we'd moved out in the country. And while I was here, I just walked into the board of education, West Plains. And they had that morning posted the job for an English teacher with speech and debate experience. And that's, that's exactly what, that's you. That was, yeah. <laughs> that was you. I, mean, I was speaking yeah. debate coach. I love, I love coaching debate and, and that position just opened up that morning that the, the person who had taught it previously to me had gone to Fried Hardeman. I went to Harding, their sister schools in the, the church Christ, uh, kind of brotherhood. And there was like an immediate connection. She was married to the superintendent and it was just like, it was like ridiculous, all the dominoes that fell in place. And so after right. that point, it was like, well, God's given me a message that I can't like, mm misunderstand it's, it's kind of pretty clear yeah what's it what's it say of uh if if you know what you're supposed to do and and you don't do it, it you're worse than a unbeliever mm, yeah <laughs> so yeah. it sounds like you you answered the call and, and uh yeah i'm sure you found some peace in that so with both of your guys' stories it's still a huge commitment to go to mountain view missouri to start taking on when you're bringing in people who are broken, much less youth who are broken. That is, it is a, a commitment. You are sharing burdens of this life, which we are called to do. But from that, from those hard times, there are positive things that come to our lives. So what are some of the positive things that each of you have seen this commitment to Whetstone bring to you? Um, I would say there's a handful of uh, answers here. One thing that from a personal standpoint, and I think Axel had alluded to it with Christine, of just thinking about just the community element of working alongside other families and then trying to be a model for our boys that maybe have not come from a very communal setting. There's a lot of dissension and chaos at the home. Sometimes parents are divorced or sometimes they might as well be divorced because dad's not there. And uh, there's a host of reasons, but, um, we have been able to try to have what we call family nights here at Whetstone. And, and that's very intentional right now. We do them about once a quarter early on. We did them a lot more when things were a little bit more simplified, but just to be able to have our kids see ministry in action and be a part of that and to be a model for uh, the boys uh, to be able to just see that, you know what families can, uh, cooperate together they can be in community and doesn't have to not that everything is perfect and has right. to be in an agreement but uh, but that's one uh, positive thing that uh, that we have seen 
in our time here, just kind of in the middle of some messiness and some, uh, a lot of times some, some drama. Um, so that's one thing. Axel, if you want to touch on well, I would throw in, uh, just in my own personal life, the ability to work close with, uh, with other believers to, to be a part of a ministry of people who are dedicated and have really, um, you know, given their life to a cause and, the impact that that has on your kids to see other men and women who live their life that way. Um, as a, as a father of teenagers, uh, it's, it's nice to be able to have other voices speak into my children's life because it doesn't matter how good of a parent you are at some point, your parents, your kids are going to just test right. you know, whether or not what you've been telling them is true. And that's, right. that's good. And that's healthy. And we can, we can sometimes get offended by that. Um, but we shouldn't, we should, we should kind of, realize that that's the reality and just surround ourselves with other believers and like-minded grown-ups who, who will reinforce the things that we've been telling our kids. So to have people like Brandon and, and Jeremy and Matt Foster and Ty Lewis and, and all these people who've worked at the ranch over the years uh, and have a relationship with my son and my daughter is the, the biggest thing personally for mm -hmm. me. Yeah. So the other side of that, and Ben and I talk about this a lot, with, with everything comes sacrifice. No matter what decision you make, um, leaving the city, going to the country, or leaving the country, going to the city for you, Axel, no matter what you do, mm -hmm. even if it's, it's God's purpose and you know it, there is sacrifice and there are negative things that come with that. Can each of you share maybe something that you feel like you've had to sacrifice or a negative that you've had to take on in your life and family to go into the ranch? Yeah, um... The biggest thing that comes to mind is, uh, I guess, a term that we have around here. It's kind of jargon, but just uh, secondary trauma uh, when you are working with lives that are messy and you're meddling in uh, relationships uh, that you don't know all the history behind. Right. Um, sometimes you just you don't realize how much that weighs on you and how much that affects you and, and how much you try to not take that stuff home. The reality is you can't always separate those two. And uh, we're human. We have, you know, hearts and, and desires to, to see people do well. And, and we don't like it when people self-destruct and when they self-destruct in front of our faces. Uh, yeah. or they just cuss us out, um, when we're trying to help, you know, and because we're the ones closest to them in the moment, that's just how they are, you know, trying to figure out how to, to deal with some of their behaviors. It's, it's, you know, trying to learn to not take those things personal, um, is harder for some to do than others. And if you got a bad day at home and you're coming to work and, and that happens, then <laughs> it just compounds that. So, um, so that, obviously is you know, probably the biggest challenge um, right. that I have faced or that we face just as staff and just care work. Anybody who works uh, in that type of, uh, in this type of industry and, and dealing with um, a lot of messy relationships, it uh, can be tough to navigate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A good, a good way to think about it is like uh, walking into work and, and knowing there are, 20 different landmines that you might step on at any given moment and, and yes. not really knowing where they're at. Right. Some of them, you know, and you're like, okay, I, I remember there's a landmine over there. I'm not going to step on that one today. Uh, but then there's always that one that you, it's a new one. Someone just put it there yesterday and you didn't know what happened the night before. And you walk in, bam, you just step on it and blows up your day. 
um, or like people who who try to uh, uh, what's the opposite of detonating a bomb to de-detonate, de-detonate? deactivate yeah. uh, uh, deactivate yeah, yeah. deactivate yeah. I, don't I don't know yeah that'll like work the, the movie hurt locker where the the, yeah. the guy the, that squad of people go in and they disarm the bomb disarm then, there it is yeah yeah <laughs> and uh and and that stress that they they take with them transfers over into their personal lives and they can disconnect it while they're working but at some point it kind of rears it ugly rears its ugly head in your personal life and so you have to you have to you know check yourself before you wreck yourself as they say or you know chiggity check yourself before you riggedy wreck yourself <laughs> yeah no that, that's really good axel and and from my past experiences and some of that there were sometimes that um and we're calling them landmines so i'll just keep using that like it was sometimes better to just go blow it up so that you could process and get through it because yeah. at times when we when we tried to avoid the landmines there was a new landmine being made because of that avoidance of taking care yeah, of the original landmine. Like, so it is, it is tricky, but it sounds like both of you have ownership and that's, that's what's cool to see in staff and people and volunteers. Like when people truly have ownership in what they're doing, you can't not be impacted. You know what I'm saying? Brandon was talking about how there's a weight upon his shoulders is because in this moment he is all in. And when people aren't, it is easy for them to just run away, you know, like there's no ownership in it. And so just, yeah, so far everything that you guys have shared is just so awesome to see your your passion and um, the true ownership that you guys have taken because that's that commitment is is really what's needed for such a successful uh, therapeutic program as you guys are doing and um, yeah it excites me <laughs> I love hearing it yeah. that's awesome guys yeah, yeah. thank you one other thing that um, I'll mention on that front is just to give people an understanding that you know it's a twenty four seven care facility so i mean the boy we, right. we basically um are guardians of the boys for that seven months or however long it is that's here and so that's a weight in and of itself because when a staff is sick uh, we have overnight staff and um we got somebody's got to fill in and and make sure that there's those ratios being held to and make sure we have eyes on the guys and the safety of the boys is obviously our number one concern. And so when you're providing 24 seven coverage, it takes a lot emotionally. It takes a lot physically. And uh, from the emotional standpoint for us as dads or anybody that works here that has kids, like our biggest fear is to, you know, for our boys to be 17, 18 and about to leave the house and get to that point and be like, well, dad, you spent all your time, working with other people's kids instead of your own kids. Right. You know, that's right. like a huge weight that we always have to make sure that, you know, we're balancing and Whetstone is not bigger than uh, our families or anything like that. I mean, Whetstone keeping those priorities as number four or whatever it is that we have to keep, right. Right. Uh, keep things in, in check and in balance. And, and that can be another negative or just emotional weight. That's always kind of there. Yeah. So what fighting through those, I mean, you, you've taken that on. So what, what really drives you to fight these battles day after day, week after week, year after year? Actually, I'll let you answer that. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we're called whetstone. So, I mean, we've kind of embraced, we've kind of embraced that idea that, that what we do is going to involve friction mm. and, uh, you know, 
Jeremy, our executive director, says sometimes, you know, we, we're not enrolling Boy Scouts in our program. I mean, these are not all our guys are most of them are just incredibly intelligent. They have amazing talents and abilities. You know, they, they have a lot of uh, potential and they've been successful in a lot of different parts of their life. You know, some of them are excellent students and some of them have uh, just awesome pr- people skills. You know, some of them are incredibly athletic, but there's there's couple areas in their life that have just become so predominant in their minds and twisted in their heads that they've they've sought out just really bad coping mechanisms and uh they're they're making their problems worse and spinning their tires and so i i I try to remember that like this is this is just a tough job and that's just the reality of it sometimes and not try to fight it and just kind of go with it <laughs> yeah. and not have any preconceptions about, uh, you know, how my, how my day might go or another concept that helps is like, you know, we're playing, we're playing chess, not checkers. So when you play chess, you gotta, you gotta give up some pawns. You might have to sacrifice a bishop or a knight in order to put yourself in a position to win. Um, and when I say win, I don't mean we're trying to, you know, beat these guys down or it's an ego thing, although it can be if you're not careful. It's like, we're playing a long game here. And and that game is longer than just eight to 10 months or 12 months or they're here. This is a lifelong game that some of these guys um, are going to be involved in and and coming to know God and then restoring and repairing their relationship with their family and their understanding of their self. So I, I try and give myself a little a little perspective, uh, which helps. And then, you know, self-care is huge too, like exercising and getting sleep and, and getting out in nature, like, like we're talking about, uh, you know, learning where to find those morels, you know, and getting yourself a That's nice, right. a nice, right. uh, nice mess of them to, to, to chomp on that helps. <laughs> yeah. I want to add it. I'll share I'll, the harvest of the morels. I don't know about sharing the spot though. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think so. I got to get to know you a lot better. <laughs> hey, I do want to add here, though, you're making a good point, and, and I'm in huge respect for pastors and, and men of God that get up and share and teach, but there's something that's even more difficult for a, a Christ follower, a, a, a God-fearing man that is trying to set a, a standard by setting expectations. So like for your boys, you're setting this expectation of this is how you should live your life. And then not only are you saying this, you have to live it. And these boys are going to watch you 24 seven because you're, you're under that care. They are watching you 24 seven. Some of them may be waiting for that one mistake. Whereas a pastor, uh, these, these, these men that get up to teach us, we get an hour with them, you know what I mean? And then they leave, whereas it's so difficult. And I just respect you guys for this and, and love that you're you're taking that challenge on that you have to, man, you have to wake up every day ready because they're watching. They're, they're literally watching you every second. And and so thank you for doing that. We need more, we need more men uh, to help instill what manhood is and and these boys and, um, Gosh, I just thank you guys for it. So keep it up. I hope that hope that makes sense. But keep it up. Yeah. No, we like to say yeah. more is more is caught than taught. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, more it. is caught than taught. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that element of it is is the power in you know because we don't get it perfect all the time, uh, mm-hmm. obviously. But as a general rule, when like 
when that happens or we mess up or maybe we, we blew up because of something that happened at home and we just weren't prepared yeah, for you're it. Human. I mean, our, our, yeah, we're human and our boys are master manipulators. I mean, they know how to bring out the baggage and the junk that maybe we haven't dealt with and, and prey on that. And so, but what it does is it gives us the opportunity to, to go back to the restoration part of the relationship, you know, and just be like, mm. Hey, look, I didn't handle that right. And, uh, I want to make things right. And here's how I should have handled it. You were right. Or, you know, whatever the situation is, you're appealing to the relationship and repairing those things. And I don't think we realize how much, you know, how little they have experienced that in their life. It's just like, ah, you know, it's chaos and, and screaming and yelling. And, you know, if I, mom or dad wants me to do something, it's just talk louder, yell louder, you know, get madder. Uh, but it's right. the old adage rules without relationship uh, equals rebellion. And so you got to have the rules, got to have the structure, but the relational element is just as important, if not more, to really uh, provide the balance to give the boys that what we need or what they need. And you spoke, you know, specifically fathers, um, thinking about that, the home, who God made us to be as men and uh, being able to plug into our boys uh, in order to develop that relationship and Obviously, being an outdoor podcast, I mean, why would you not use what God has given us to use those mediums to uh, to plug in? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think using the outdoors as fathers is so important. I, th- I think the biggest thing that I see come in, when you're in the house, there's all the toys and, and the TV and maybe even your spouse. But to just be a father with your children outside, pulling all those distractions away, I think it 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 speeds up that relationship it makes it genuine there isn't Mm -hmm. anything pulling distraction it's just you and your children um and i personally am very intentional and and ben is very intentional about spending time outdoors daily with our children and it doesn't have to be this grand thing it doesn't have to be a four-day trip it can simply be burning trash at the fire pit or let's go see if we can find a bird's nest or who can find the biggest earthworm it doesn't have to be complicated but building those relationships, spending those times together when it's just you guys, it is, I don't think you can put a value on it. I want to add in too that it, there is a flip side to this that the outdoors causes a lot of fear in a lot of people. You know, uh, some of these boys are probably used to concrete and asphalt. And when you take them off of that, it's like, what? And what is that animal out there? Well, that's a cow. Well, I've never seen a cow. What do you mean you've never seen a cow? Like, uh, it's, it's new for them and, and it's scary. And that's where we as fathers, when we take our children, not, not only in the wilderness, but sometimes just our backyard, when when those fears, those those challenges arise, we're there to help talk through those things with them, to help them, uh, hopefully in turn, as they become fathers, to, to do that same thing with their children. And and that's why I love the outdoors. Yes, it, it is less distracting in regards to the technology and man-made things today, but there's a there is a fear to the wilderness, and when we get people out there, I think the real them is exposed. Like the real you, when you are in a wilderness setting, where where here comes the weather, here comes the lightning, it's cold, it's hot, whatever that is. The ticks, you know, we've already talked about ticks this, this podcast because yeah. people hate ticks. Right. <laughs> it really exposes who that person is, and that in that moment is where you can truly meet them because it's real. Like. 
Maybe they're all angry. Maybe they're all happy. Whatever that true emotion is in that moment, the, the, the true them, it is them. And that's that's where you can begin to, man, start helping them to, if you've been using the word restore, um, to help them to help them connect with God so that God can truly be able to to change their heart. Because I believe he's the only yeah. one that can. But but the willingness for me speeds that up um, and, and helps me to do that. So, but Brandon, well, yeah, I'm sorry. Well, uh, it just it puts you puts them puts both of you guys in a situation uncomfortable situation a lot of times and uh, those are the times we grow those are the times that we're forced to uh, deal with the elements you know uh, Kurt Hahn the uh, the guy who started Outward Bound mm-hmm. he he had a couple sayings of, of one was just like nature demands respect like if you're not going to respect nature it's going to eat you up and so those are times where you guys can be out in those elements. And then another uh, one of his sayings is there's more in you than you know. And so both those things go together. It's just like the forces of nature come together and you can get in some pretty crazy uh, situations outdoors, but how are you going to handle it? Are you going to cave and just either maybe die or just get uh, right. get injured? Or are you going to rise above that and figure out what you need to figure out um, and then and push through that? And then the relationship that happens out of going through those storms together, and that's a lot of, you know, Axel alludes to a lot of that in the, even the wind book, um, how, what God does with that. Like, we don't have to be defined by our past or our situations, but how do we handle those situations together and get through it and our relationships with our wives when we go through storms, our buddies, our coworkers, all that stuff is bolstered by uh, putting ourselves in those uncomfortable situations. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I Brandon, one thing that's called it a, a fine and pleasant misery. Sorry. Yeah. The outdoors is a fine and pleasant misery. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, to that end, Brandon, one thing we haven't mentioned is we do have um, three weeks during the year here at the ranch. We call them adventure weeks. And we bring the boys on an adventure, uh, not all of them at the same time, because some of the boys go home and visit their families during that week. But once a quarter, basically, not including Christmas, where everyone goes home. Uh, we bring them to uh, a state park and we, we go on hikes, we go backpacking, we go fishing, we go, uh, we go kayaking, we have float trips. It depends on the staff who, who's assigned the, the role of kind of planning the week. But Brandon and I have been doing that for 10 years, taking these trips with boys. And it's just, uh, it's actually, it's a, it's a, it's a, a sacrifice of time for your family because you're away from them for that, for that time. But it's always a rewarding and, and it's in the end, always, I always kind of see it as a job perk to be able to, as a part of my job, get to go out and, and have an adventure. Um, so Mount Tomsock is a favorite place that we go. If you've ever been there with elephant rocks and the waterfalls Beautiful. out there, just gorgeous. And, uh, and like oh, you said, those, a lot of those guys that first night in the tent, they've never done anything like that. And they hear the sounds and, all the things that are peaceful to us because we've been doing it for so long is like, oh, I can't wait to get out and hear the crickets and the frogs and the the, the wind through the trees and there uh, and up on top of that mountain, that wind can come through pretty, pretty strong sometimes. And uh, we've had guys, you know, and the cold, you know, we'll go in late September or early, you know, early April, late March, and it can get pretty cold. We'll have guys yeah. demand to open up the van. I'm sleeping in the van and open up the van. No, we got to figure it out. You know, <laughs> yeah. there's a headlamp. Yeah. There's a headlamp and a tent and a, and a sleeping bag. You'll be okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
and then when they make it through that's it's that much more rewarding for sure yeah oh yeah that's so yeah. awesome but yeah by the end of the week they're always you know we're glad to go back you know and get our bed and our shower and everything like that but by the end of the week they're they're accustomed to it and they're they're having a good time that's good do you guys you guys have worked with literally hundreds of boys there at the ranch is there any like do each of you have like this uh I don't know the story that they they'd make a movie about like this this really impactful uh, moment or story or or relationship. Axel, won't you? Uh, I'll let you start with uh, Klima story. Oh, she was yeah. on our podcast. My uh, uh, yeah. For any movie producers out there who are looking to uh, looking for an original screenplay. Uh, contact me. <laughs> uh, well, our third podcast that we did was with a young man named Will Klima. And he was, I think, our, um, he was our second boy. Wasn't he, Brandon? Second number, graduate. Number, no, three. Boy. Yeah, number yeah. three is our second graduate. And uh, just a really fascinating young man uh, who had been through a lot with his family and uh, a really unique personality. We kind of clicked on um the level of like music i I have a pretty large record collection vinyl music uh just listening to it you know in its purest form and a bit of an audiophile and i use it to teach the boys about all the different genres of music a couple times a week i do an hour lecture about a genre or an artist or a, a movement and um they get credit for it academic credit and we do a lot of cool stuff with it but he really he really connected to that he uh he learned how to play flute taking lessons from Brandon's wife was an accomplished yeah. flutist or flautist, whatever you're supposed to say. <laughs> I, I think it's back to flutist. I don't think they, is it back flautist. to flutist. Okay. <laughs> she was always, the, she's always quick to correct me on that. Yeah. She was in the LSU marching <laughs> band and I mean, she's, she's good. And, uh, he just wanted to learn, learn flute and I don't know, maybe he was influenced by Anchorman or something. Want to learn some jazz flute. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but he actually he dedicated himself to it and learned how to do it. And, he really got good at like the running program by the end of the time here. He was, he was running faster than I was. And he was into vintage kind of stuff, selling stuff on eBay. You remember snapbacks, Brandon, he was, he was all in the oh, snapback yeah. hats. Yeah. We'd yeah. go to the thrift stores and try and find stuff to flip on eBay. And so just a cool guy. He just texted me the other day, sent me a link to a, a song he wrote and uploaded to SoundCloud. And uh, right. he's really in- interesting dude. He's, he's got his own business. Uh, where he That's buys awesome. and sells like uh, junk vehicles, junk salvage cars. vehicles. Yep, and uh, that's a great uh, that's a great technique, by the way, to advertise. Uh, I buy junk houses or I buy junk cars because, like, when the person calls you, they they're already admitting that their stuff is junk. Yeah, right? you don't have to convince them that it's junk. It's like, yeah, yeah, uh, it's, it's junk. Come get it. Yeah, it's yeah, even great. worse than you thought. <laughs> uh, so he does that. Yeah. And, uh, really uh industrious and, and creative young man and he's had a lot of ups and downs and he speaks real candidly about that that was 10 10 years ago and it was not smooth people ask us about our like success rate and you know we we can't say with any like certainty that a boy's going to graduate from here because think about it a guy comes here he's 14 15 years old he's been his life has been off the tracks and he's got no relationship with his parents you know it's toxic the environment that he's lived and he's got baggage and trauma from not knowing who his real birth parents are, perhaps, and has got all this stuff. And we get him back to a place where he actually cares about school and he's eating good and he's exercising, he's out in nature. And he's 15 and he goes home and he's like in prime, 
like you're in prime stupidity mode when you're 15, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we've done all that work to get him to the point where he gets to be in a position where he's going to start making or potentially start making, making right. some of the be- worst decisions we've made in our lives. And we had maybe a really good upbringing. So that's the world that he's going back into. So he's going to, he's going to have some tools and he's going to know maybe where not to go to of he's going to avoid some of the worst decisions uh, a lot of our boys but they still make a lot of mistakes and it's 10 years later that they come back and say hey you know that really meant something to me when we did this or said that and that's how we kind of identify and and kind of share our success is not by saying all these guys get home and turn it around immediately although we do have those stories too that happens but it's it's pretty rare that it goes that smoothly yeah how about you brandon yeah, I mean, the only, there's a story that I'm thinking of specifically where a mom, just, she had written it to us uh, after he had come home and had a great experience uh, throughout Whetstone and then at home. Just um, What she had written was that there was a point where her son started to get into a darker and darker place due to some, some circumstances at home and she felt basically the way she said it, she feared for his soul, um, the Christian family and did not think that she, the mom and dad both thought that it was really past the point of, uh, getting him back to before Whetstone and, um, just the process of Whetstone and him kind of getting around some, uh, other men. And as Axel talked about, just, Doing, having structure, uh, getting up, having a schedule, doing positive things, eating good, getting outdoors, getting away from screens, um, all those things began to turn the light back on for this boy and give him some hope. And so that was the biggest thing that she had seen her and her husband really when he had come back and or they had done some family visits in that uh, time frame of him being here, they saw that light go back on. They saw that hope back in his eyes and purpose that he began to uh, gain again. And so that was, again, the way that she said it, they had gone to a dinner and um, she just wrote us a thank you and just saying, and we realized that that was one of the best decisions that we have ever made was to send our son to Whetstone because we got our boy back. He's got hope again, and he's plugged into his siblings. He helps around the house. Um, so those are just, uh, it's always great when we hear those stories Yeah, yeah. as well. So that's the one that I was thinking of when you asked that question. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys sharing those, the seeing the, the fruit, the fruit of your labor and uh, bearing fruit in those relationships. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's why you guys fight the, the battles that you do fight. What what I'm getting that really drives you both is is your relationship with the Lord that has one appointed you to what you're doing and, and get you through these times and and really builds and develops these children and I would guess that's probably both of your end goal for all of these children is is to really know the Lord. Do either of you care or both of you care to share a little bit of your walk uh, with the Lord? Yeah, I'll uh, as far as with the boys and uh, on campus here, yes. I mean, when you look at the core of Whetstone and uh, why we do what we do here, I mean, I think the fact that, you know, we believe that, power, that Christ has the power uh, to change lives 
And we believe it. We've seen it in our own lives. And, and obviously we, we've seen it in the boys' lives now. Um, and how you carry that out, how you disseminate some of that to the boys, uh, sometimes you have to be creative with that. Most of them have a very uh, negative view of, of Christianity. And um, so we try very hard not to shove religion down their throats or anything like that. We try to be very objective with it. We have chapel. Uh, in the morning as well. But um, yeah, I think for myself, uh, you know, I shared a little bit about the testimony of guys kind of getting a hold of my heart with, uh, with Webstone and being part of this team, as far as just my, my daily walk and how Webstone plays into that. You know, one of the things I think I've been convicted of or just realized is, uh, how important just showing up is and knowing that God has got those things, God has those answers. And I mean, there's no way that we've gotten to this point with Whetstone by anything that we've done. Um, God has orchestrated every bit of it. We've shared some of those stories and knowing that we don't have the capacity uh, in and of ourselves to, to get everything to this point. And so uh, just being able to uh, show up and try to uh, be available for God is uh, something that I've been convicted of and, and where my faith has grown. Because when we've done that, we see how God blesses that. And, you know, the the, the tornado we've alluded to, there, the day after that happened, there was like 50 people out here with chainsaws and equipment and clearing stuff and trailers, trying to get our stuff safe. Like, we didn't make any phone calls. It was just uh, people hearing about, somehow, hearing about uh, us getting hit and them showing up. We were just trying to get the boys safe. So stories yeah. like that have bolstered my faith and just like, you know what, I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have everything figured out. Like, we want to figure everything out. It's kind of our nature to do that. It's just God says, just be still and know. I'm God. I've got things figured out. I've called you to this. Just show up and let me use you. Mm. And and so I think that's kind of uh, where where my faith is has increased. Yeah, that's really that's good. good. Axel, how about you? Yeah. Well, I I'm reminded of the verse in the Bible that says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And uh, when I read that verse, I don't I don't take from it that I need to be in doubt of my salvation. Um, and, and that I'm working from a place of fear in my relationship with God, but it's a, I look at it as more of like a, an existential thing to where God is, God is not concerned about the past. He's not concerned about the future because it hasn't happened. It's in his hands, right? But he's concerned with my walk with him. And I, I think that description is a really apt one in the Bible. It's like, it's a step-by-step process. It's like, What's what's the next thing that God is is going to walk with me through? It's it could be good, it could be bad, but He's gonna in terms of how I interpret it. But it's all gonna be something that that draws us closer to Him, and He has a plan. And uh, if I can more and more submit to that and not fight against it, then I think you can you can find that peace and that joy in in communing in communing with Him. And um, and I do that. Primarily, uh, you know, I'm, I like to engage my mind and I like to engage my intellect and my creativity and my imagination. And uh, my salvation is a process of continuing to, to self-reflect and to, to write and engage on that level. And, you know, just talking with you guys is a part of, of my, my salvation 
is being sharpened by other men and, and women who will challenge me to, to grow closer to God and to become a better and, and sharper instrument like I talked about at the beginning. We appreciate your you guys' candidness and, and taking the time to answer all these questions. If our listeners want to help Whetstone, what is the best way that they can help you guys? The most pressing need right now, honestly, is we, we, we've referenced it. We haven't talked a lot about it, but there's a, we're calling the 30 by 30 campaign. We're trying to get to 30 boys by the year 2030. Right now, the facility that we have, can we can serve up to 12 boys, but that's not not best practice, not advisable to have that many boy, teenage boys bouncing around the, the house that we have now. It's too small. So we can have nine, 10, and then we, we just hit a ceiling and we have to, you know, we can't grow. So the need is out there. We get three to five phone calls a day from, from families who need help yesterday. And wow. some of these families are calling about eight-year-olds, you know. Mm. So the problems uh, that in our society and people not understanding who they are uh, in God and who they were created to be is is really epidemic. And so we, we just want to serve more families and uh, be a, a more powerful instrument for what what God wants from us. So we're trying to raise uh, we're building the house we got the whole dog and we got the plans and you can go on our website whetstoneboysranch.com and read about the 30 by 30 campaign there's a video uh brandon's kind of the the face of that video so if you want to know what he looks like <laughs> see if he has a face for radio or not uh, he's actually a pretty good pretty good presenter yeah so i think you'll enjoy that so any way you could be involved in that financially or in just spreading the word on social media is huge obviously we have a, a podcast and social media presence. So any liking or sharing, you guys know how, how all that works, uh, get people to write reviews and, and everything. Uh, that, that just goes a long way for getting eyeballs and clicks and, and spreading the message. Yeah. Um, we mentioned the book already. Uh, if you, you know people who are interested in working here, uh, we have need for interns, we have need for mentoring specialists. We're, we're always recruiting. And uh, well, even more so as we move into this expansion phase. So that, that's a huge one. Yeah. Well, um, and so then do prayer, you, have a... you know, just bathe us in prayer. Just... Yeah. So if someone wants to reach out to you to ask more questions, is there an email address, a phone number? What's, what's the best way for someone to contact you? Yeah, I would, I would go to whetstoneboysranch.com. There's uh, contact information on there for Brandon and, and myself. Uh, Facebook is a good way. What's, just type in Whetstone Boys Ranch on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, you can message us. We're pretty active presence. We post two, three times a week usually, and uh, we'll get back to you pretty quick that way. Again, Axel and Brandon, thank you so much for taking time with us today. Really good to, to get to know you guys a little better. Look forward to spending more time with you and cannot wait to set foot yes. on the ranch and, and get a tour yeah i can't wait for you guys to come out hopefully that's not in the too distant future and um it's just been a pleasure uh, spending more time with you guys like-minded guys it's always uh fun to, to talk with guys that have similar interests and uh we're thankful for that yeah i can I, i'm looking forward to some disc golf get you on the campus here and see what you got yeah. look at, look no. at your discs and, <laughs> yeah and spin some plastic and uh and get you in the side by side and drive you around and pick your brains exactly. about the best way we can utilize this campus because you're going to have some i think some some great ideas that we hadn't even thought of so look forward to it well, thanks guys. for doing this thank yeah, you look yeah, forward to it thanks. good work thanks again
All right. Take care. Well, Ben, that was a great interview. It was the first time that we've had four people Mm -hmm. on the podcast at once, so we were a little nervous about how the flow was going to be. But those guys are just so genuine and candid and really passionate about their work and committed to it. I left inspired, and I cannot wait to go meet them face-to-face and see the work that they're doing out there on the ranch. Yeah, their heart for God, their heart for their families, their heart for the the youth that they serve, and even the heart for their community. Um, They are awesome men. I cannot wait for us to continue to build a relationship with them. And I'm really, I'm looking forward to see what God has in store um, and how our paths can, uh, can cross again. If God is tugging on your heartstrings after you listen to their interview, please reach out to them, give them a, a, a call or email. We are going to post stuff on our social media about how you can contact them or ways that you can help. They even mentioned that even if you would just like to pray for them, they would appreciate that support as well. That is it for this episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. If you have any questions for us, please reach out to us at m2beoutdoors at gmail.com. Follow along on all our social media accounts, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. And please don't forget that Meant to Be Outdoors podcast Q&A group on Facebook as well. Please leave a review and hit the automatic download of whatever platform you listen so you can help us move up those charts. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode, but until that time, we hope that you remember you are meant to be outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.